Hey y'all, this is Courtney and Imani and you're listening to the Soul Sisters Podcast. This is the Soul Sisters podcast. If you are listening in for the first time, thank you for joining us. And you are now officially a part of the SSP community. So welcome. And for those of you who tuned in to season one and our previous episodes in season two, thank you so, so, so much for all of your support. We really appreciate it. Um, Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What's 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 new? What's going on? Nothing is new. Um, everything remains the same. <laughs> um, it's so interesting. I thought like, I'll just be honest here. I thought working from home meant like I'll be doing less work. Mm-mm. No, I'm doing more. Mm-hmm. And I'm so. sitting here like, wait, 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 wait. I, I, you know, I work with people who have kids. So, you know, their kids are home and they have way more responsibilities than I do. But all of our workload has increased, mm-hmm. and I'm really confused as yeah. to why. Granted, I do work in the um, food and beverage industry, so that does play a part in it. But I'm just sitting here like, oh my gosh, I'm doing more work while working remote- remotely than what I was doing while being in the office. Mm-hmm. And it's blowing my mind. I don't like it. I really don't. I'll be honest. I don't like it. Grateful to still have a job. So thank you, Jesus, for that. But man, I am like working, working. Mm-hmm. And you're in HR. So I can only imagine. <laughs> Yo, literally. What it's like for you. And then I'm one of the POCs for COVID-19 and benefit policies are consistently being up. Yesterday, work dragged me by my ears. Like. I was like, I woke up, was like, I'm going to check emails and fix me this big hearty breakfast. Honestly, by the time I realized, oh, I haven't eaten, it was like 11 o'clock and I had sat down at eight and it was like, oh yeah. And that's how the whole day went. But I totally agree. Workload is crazy. But like you said, very grateful to have a job. Very yes. grateful. Okay, I'm asking for a friend. And when I say I'm asking for a friend, I really mean I'm asking for myself. Is it unprofessional to eat while on a Zoom call? Because um, I say this, Zoom call, I don't know about y'all, but I feel like a lot of people's schedules are um, jam-packed and having yeah. meetings back to back to back. Like yeah. you're having a meeting for the meeting and having a meeting to discuss what happened in the previous meeting. Very much so. <laughs> Where does that leave me I'm time sure to even go to the bathroom, to even go eat? And it's like, I'm hungry. I love to eat, but I have yet to see anyone else eat on a Zoom call. I don't want to be the first person to do that. Granted, you could say, Imani, just like, don't share, you, you know, don't share your video. Like, don't, you know, don't you know, present yourself, but I'm like, everyone else is presenting their faces. Mm-hmm. And it kind of says something when you don't, unless you preface the conversation by saying, hey guys, gotta run to the store, I can't show my face. And I don't know. I just, 
I'm just asking, is it unprofessional to eat? I think maybe because of my job, we have a food culture where we eat all day, every day in meetings. While we were in the office, we had snacks and meetings. We have a very just food driven culture. So for us, I'll have a whole meal and, and we'll eat and we'll talk. And like, that's a, like, I mean, at this point now we're just being flexible. Like one of my coworkers, she was like, y'all got to take my cake out the oven real quick. Let me, I'll be right back. Like I eat breakfast on the calls because at this point, you, like you said, my meetings are back to back to back to back to the point where I've had to chunk out my hour for lunch. And sometimes that gets overscheduled and I have to literally fit in. Like, so when you about to fix yourself something to eat, it depends on the industry it depends on your job um with the bit you can turn your camera off or some people one of my teammates has done she'll end like if we're meeting and that's all she'll end it early be like hey i gotta go run like i gotta go i have to take a, a personal break and that's going to the bathroom eating whatever um so if there's nothing else for for to discuss on a call and we just we got time left no need to like stretch out the time and like trying to catch up or whatever that can be a ping and like or email and keep it pushing yeah, i get that ironically like i said i work in the food and beverage industry more specifically yeah. snacking snacking is at the, the so core of my y'all job should be eating. i have yet to see anyone snack on a zoom call and i'm just like, that's oh, so interesting because nobody literally... is taking the time to eat now granted i'm not saying we're all starving ourselves here right but I just, I'm trying to keep a level of professionalism Profession, yeah. while yes. working from home. <laughs> Work from home chronicles. All right, so kingdom yeah. versus culture, right? The premise of the segment is to address any hot topics we're ad- that we're discussing um, by pop culture. So typically on public platforms, especially like on social media, we get worldviews that are contrary to God's word and how he expects us to live our lives. So we want to encourage one another to be imitators of Christ, despite what the majority thinks, um, because living a kingdom lifestyle, quite frankly, is contrary to culture. So today's topic is tithing during COVID-19. So it's no secret that qualifying people received their stimulus checks this week. Um, there's been a lot of conversation regarding how people will spend money, whether they're going to pay loans off, whether they're going to go shopping or whatever that they choose to do with their money. Um, one of the topics has um, been tithing. I've seen that um, a little bit since COVID-19 has actually started, but now a little bit more since we received um, the, well, y'all received, whoever received the stimulus checks. A lot of people will say to stop tithing during this time because of financial hardship and churches should not be encouraging people to give to the church. Churches should not be encouraging people to tithe. And I've even seen a tweet that literally read, if your church is still asking you to tithe during this time, you need to stop attending that church. So a lot of cases, um, people will argue that you shouldn't be expected to tithe during this time. In some cases, you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't at all, even if you're having trouble, even, you know, I know the expectation is there, but you shouldn't at all. Kingdom says, okay, it's completely different, right? God requires us to tithe no matter what. Um, on any income that we receive, whether it's tax refunds, stimulus checks, bonuses, our regular pay, God requires us to tithe. We are to tithe on it. Malachi three ten states, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, test me 
in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to receive. This, for me, I believe this is the time that we actually should be tithing more faithfully, if anything, um, and more. God literally says, test me on this principle. Watch me work if you if you do this. So being that um, he's he's telling us to test him in that if we continue to give and tithe, he will bless our giving and he will continue to provide for us. My point or thoughts on kingdom versus culture. What about you, Imani? Yeah, well, well, first, uh, this is backtracking, but I wanted to explain the concept of tithing because maybe not yeah. everybody knows. So um, essentially, the tithe is giving 10% of your income to um, whatever church you may attend. So if you receive $100, that means giving God 10. Um, and this is something that we're instructed to do in the Bible. Um, I think there's so many layers to this, but one mm-hmm. thing that we all must consider is just because people are not attending church, it does not mean the bills are not coming, right? So yeah. churches still have, you know, rent in some cases, you know, yeah. utilities, and, and some people are on the church's payroll. Um, yeah. That doesn't stop because people are not attending. So that's something that we, we as the body, should be taken into consideration because it is up to us to take care of the needs of the church. Absolutely. At the same time, it is important to use wisdom because COVID mm-hmm. is impacting people in different ways. So people like Courtney and myself have been minimally impacted because thankfully we still have jobs. So yes, it's nothing for us. I shouldn't say nothing, but of course we are able to tithe without having Absolutely. any stress or worry. Now there are some people who have been impacted financially. Now, and this is when you need to use wisdom because even the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, I don't see how you can be cheerful. Cheerful, yeah. When like you just gave your last and you don't know how to pay your rent. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So there, it's definitely a time to be prayerful in how much you can give. And there's yep. no amount that's too small. God honors a dollar just as much as he he honors a hundred dollars and just as much as he honors a million. And it's really the posture of your heart that he's looking at, not the um, dollar amount. But I I share the same sentiments as you um, in a time because, uh, you know, just, you know, the concept of going to church and just religion overall, it's such an unpredictable industry because at the end of the day, like churches run like a, an organization and like a business Mm -hmm. and, it's our responsibility to, to take care of the needs of the church. Absolutely. So yes, let's continue to tithe, but also use wisdom at, yeah. at the same time. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Any other thoughts? No, that's all. That's 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 good. And 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 hopefully there are churches that are able to um, provide for their members mm-hmm. in, in, in yeah. communities at this time, which is another reason why we tithe. Um, we tithe. You know, yeah. it's up to us, the body, to take care of of one another. Yeah. So. The transition to the topic of the week. Um, the topic of the week is something that is pretty deep. Um, the topic is healing. We have all had something we, you know, we've had to heal from or currently working to heal within ourselves. And the process is is usually never easy. And you can experience a lot of emotions and experiences um, throughout that process. Um, There is no right or wrong way to think or to feel or to respond. Trauma symptoms typically gradually um, fade as you process the unsettling event, but 
Um, even when you're feeling better, you may be troubled from time to time by painful memories or emotions, especially in response to triggers such as an anniversary of an event or something that reminds you of the trauma. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, so just be mindful of this when you're listening. It may be a little heavy, may not be. Um, but Imani, I wanted to ask you the first question. What do you think is the importance of healing from traumatic or hurtful situations that have happened to us? What is the importance or why it's important? Why is it important and what's the, both? Let's do both. I don't know if there's this, if it's a difference, but what is the importance? I don't know. Or why? Let's just say why. Why, why it's why it's important. Uh because essentially it it affects it affects how you present yourself to others. It affects how you treat others. It affects how you allow others to treat you. Uh, those moments of trauma, um, and a lot of it stems from the childhood, not only just the childhood, but, you know, I know that's the case for a lot of people. Um, if you don't deal with that, it affects just how you navigate life, period. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if someone grew up in an abusive home, you have naturally, um, accustomed to a survival mentality mm -hmm. so you are living your life in survival mode mm. whether that means you don't let people get too close to you or you're you're constantly thinking um or constantly in defense mode or having defense mechanisms to keep you protected so um healing is the avenue used to essentially live in freedom Mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. I believe that's why it's important that's good um I was listening to a sermon by Bishop Barbara Amos she's out of Kinston North Carolina and this sermon was from 1993 and she said um and it really struck me and it really blessed me and she said if you are bound in one place and you don't get that deliverance and healing the next place you go you'll still be bound from that same thing because mm -hmm. deliverance and peace, it doesn't have anything to do with a place. And that place could be um, the location you're in, a relationship that you're, you're, you're jumping from or whatever it may be. But if you're jumping, if you're not healing yourself while, like when you're out of it or once it actually happens, you will stay bound. And if you're bound in one place, there's nothing that you can do. If me, I, for example, if I broke up with a boy, boyfriend and I'm hurt and I just jump into another relationship, I didn't have time to heal and I'm still going to be bound in that next relationship. And so there's, like you said, so much freedom in, in being able to heal and it prevents you from staying bound. Um, and you're able to get that healing and deliverance to be free and to be able to um, have that freedom to walk in freedom and to have a peace of mind. And I think that's so, so important because it affects other things in your life if you stay bound and you don't receive deliverance and healing from those things. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you, oh, you got some? No, go ahead. So have... I think I said most of all of us are having to heal from something or have healed. So in your healing process of whatever it may have been, what were some of your challenges in your healing process, whether it's something you had to heal 
uh, heal from years ago that you've already dealt with or things you, you're currently dealing with, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you got me thinking about things I'm healing from. Right now in this current moment of my life, I would say I'm still navigating through childhood issues so like my mommy issues that's that is really it right there um and so one of the challenges that I have faced and it's a major one and it affects my relationships it affects how I view life in some ways it these thing this thing called feelings um me growing up having an alcoholic in the household like you didn't I didn't realize I had a mom as an alcoholic until I was in the household because when I was outside the household I navigated as if everything was normal I wasn't gonna let people know that my mama was an alcoholic I wasn't gonna let people know I really don't want to go home I wasn't gonna let the world know like when I walk home I'm really I don't know what type of hell is gonna happen um so I learned how to survive and push past whatever feelings I should have felt in that moment. And so my biggest challenge in the healing process is allowing myself to feel and I don't like a lot I don't like allowing myself to feel because I feel as though feelings make you act irrationally. I don't like and that's why I don't like feelings. Um we all have them and I get it it's inevitable to feel or to have feelings. But I don't like how feelings impact your decision thinking or or decision making, I should say, because I'm very much so like a realist and I like to act as rational as possible. So when going through a healing process and having to feel it's like uh, thoughts are popping up in my mind that weren't there before or now I feel like I don't have control over like my current state because I'm thinking about things that have happened 10 years ago and I don't like that I really Mm -hmm. don't um so that's one challenge but that's that's such a major challenge because honestly since I navigated through my childhood and and survived um and I would say I I did a, a pretty good job with you know, by the grace of God, that's how I expect other people to deal with their problems. I expect you, you can allow yourself to feel for a little bit, but at some point you got to come out of it and you just got to do what you got to do. And that's not okay all the time because people have their own process and I can't expect people to be like me and not to say that the way I've handled my, my healing process is the best way or the most effective way. So that's, that's my perspective. So when you have allowed yourself to feel, what does that look like? Uh, I take the time to journal to get my emotions out or I may like talk to someone. But here's the thing about being vulnerable with people. I think because there are a few people that know my story right and they've seen how I've carried myself like there is a almost sort of a natural expectation like regardless of what Imani's going through like oh she's gonna push through and for me that's been the response that I've gotten from people when I have been vulnerable I don't need you to tell me like oh yeah you're gonna push through this I don't need you to tell me that because I 
I know this. Just let me be vulnerable. Let me be weak in this moment. I don't feel like a lot of people in my life let me be weak. Again, which is why I don't like to allow myself to feel. So sometimes talking to someone helps. Other times it doesn't. But mostly journaling has been my main outlet. Mm. Okay, that's good. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Um, what about you? What are some challenges you faced in the, in your healing process? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think for so long, I was avoiding healing. I just wanted to feel. And I didn't. I, I thought I was healing by just trying to, trying to move past it, but I was avoiding. And... With that avoiding, you're not really healing. Like I said, you're avoiding it. Um, You're not facing it head on. So I allowed myself to feel, I think I allowed myself to feel way too long. Um, Way, way, way too long to the point where I got tired of feeling. Um, And it just pushed me to a point where I couldn't, I couldn't hold on to those feelings and the hurt that I felt simply because it like I had I had felt too long um so that's one just avoiding it and like feeling too long but then like not doing starting the work to heal from it so it would be like okay I'm fine I'm cool then I get mad all over again okay I'm mad I'm cool I'm cool like avoiding trying to really get to the root of it um I think in my process, unforgiveness was a very big one. And I think I I learned what unforgiveness, the process of unforgiveness isn't one of those things that is always easy Um, because you can really take hold to actions that were, that have been done to you. Um, And it's, And if it hurts deep enough, it's hard to forgive. And I think for the longest, I was trying to convince myself in my heart that, oh, yeah, like, I forgive, I forgive. And truthfully, I hadn't. Um, And that was something that was a major challenge for me. Another challenge that I had was just talking about it and and explaining. Explaining it. I think I did not start. I think I let this go on for too long until I got to a, a breaking point. And in that breaking point, that's when I started therapy. And when I started therapy, that's when I think my healing process really started. Um, and having to discuss what has taken place, what hurt me, the, the part that I played in it, um, that was really hard for me how did you know that you were healed or you're almost healed from whatever situation um that you're you know sometimes you can you can look up and like oh snap like this doesn't bother me anymore or like you're almost at the cusp you're almost there like how did you know in whatever situation that you know you were healed or Mm -hmm. almost healed it comes down to two things it comes down to being at peace with whatever took place. So I'll use uh, the abortion, for example. Once, because there have been instances where I saw um, the the father of my child, I've seen him in public. 
and it just hasn't bothered me. Like, I don't feel no type of way. I don't wish ill. Like, I, I honestly hope, you know, all is well with you. And once the very first time that I felt like that, um, while seeing him in public, I was like, oh, someone is healing. You know what I'm saying? Because um, it just wasn't the way he, he treated me just was not good during that time. Um, so it's the the peace, truly the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's good. The second thing is my response, or I should say, should say lack thereof. So let's say um, I'll take my mom for example. So let's say my mom does something, and like oh Imani a few years ago would have had to like um, pop off, or Imani would have got mad, or Imani would have did something. But now Imani's like taking it for what it is, um, understanding who my mom is as an addict, and just letting it be how it is because I have no control over other people's um, emotions or actions. Mm. So not not responding or choosing to respond in a way which is much more mature than what I previously have done previously have done um, shows me like, oh, there has there's some healing that has mm. taken place and also some growth mm-hmm. as well. That's good. What about you? Yeah, um, a couple of things. I think I knew, um, and this is all pretty recent, I knew when I was able to think about um, things that have happened and pull lessons out of those things and be like, huh, this happened, but what did you learn from this? You learned how to be a better communicator, that you have to become a better communicator. You have to learn how to communicate your feelings in a way where you say what you mean and mean what you say and, and keep it as that. And how to not allow your emotions and feelings to overwhelm you or um, lead your decision making um, and things like that. Um, so that's when I realized that I was... I was on the cusp or I was, I was very much so healed at that point um, when I was able to look at it and, and not um, get angry about it. When I was able to just be like, in some ways, laugh about it. And uh, when things have come up um, again or just being tested in other ways, being able to um, maintain a composure that I haven't had. Um, or being able to communicate how I feel and keep it like, keep it as simple as that. And and to be able to stay calm within myself and not allow things to fester or to go on and to allow things to roll off of me. And that's something that I I have found so much peace in being able to let stuff roll off, um, and not for me to hold on to. And I think there's so much freedom in that. And I learned so much in that process and being healed. That's when I realized like, oh, you're not mad about, usually you'd be mad about that, but you let that slide. And it's not even you let it slide, but it doesn't bother you as much. Cause there's so many other things that could be bothering you right now. And this small, minute thing, we're going, we're going to let it, we're going to let it drop off or whatever. So that was one. Um, and I think I realized I was healed from the situation when I was just able to look back at it and feel a certain way of not just being angry or mad or just and look at it as like that's a piece of a story. 
that's 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 what happened and what if that did not happen i wouldn't have learned x y and z i wouldn't have been exposed to this part of myself and how i react to things and how i could fix them if i was if this thing just did not happen so i take it as a blessing in disguise actually mm-hmm. and able to say you know what if, if i wouldn't have learned i may not have learned that specific lesson during this specific time in my life if I did not go through that, if this person did not hurt me. And so I think I'm so, um, I'm so grateful that situations do happen that hurt. And I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. It sucks. Being hurt sucks. Being having to heal sucks, but I'm so glad that it happened. So at 23 years old, I can say I can learn from that situation. I learned X, Y, and Z and I'm a better person because of it. Um, and I'm, whew, I'm so grateful. My God. So, mm. Yeah, it also builds character. True. <laughs> it builds truly character because you learn so much about yourself. One, depending on the situation, you have to take accountability, right? So oh, of course. It, it, and it de- it depends on the situation. Like some things just aren't your yeah. fault, and you just have. And unfortunately, you deal with the cards that you were dealt. But there are other instances where you're like, oh, yeah, I played, I played a part into that. Absolutely. And I think it's those moments where, yeah, we have to heal from the actions of others. But sometimes, like, we need God to save us from ourselves. Yeah. It too. was literally in the process. It's sort of like a mirror. It was like, well, this happened, but how was your response? This ha- piece is huge. Huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah. What are some things that you wish you knew prior to beginning your healing process? My Lord. All right. Healing is not linear. Healing is not a thing where it's, um, my God, you do this check mark. You do this check mark. Boop. You're healed. It's not healing is not that healing is not a one way street of this is what you do. It's not a checklist. There were days in my healing process where I was good. I could think about it. I could laugh about it. I could be like, yo, that was so childish. That was so whatever. That was so awful. And I'd be totally fine. Other days, it was like all hell broke loose. Um, All hell broke loose in my spirit and my emotions. Um, And it was awful. I had, I had days where it was just complete awful. But then I had days where I was okay. And like, yeah, it crossed my mind and it hurt. But it was like, uh it is what it is. Um, so it's not linear and you have moments in your healing where you can be good for like weeks and then something happens that triggers a thought or an emotion. And you're like, Oh, this hurts still. And you may find yourself having to detox those feelings a little bit. So it's not a thing where, um, it's linear where it's you do, you check each box and now you're healed and boop. It's not that at all. Um, there are going to be ups and downs within the process, but the, the, the part that's most important is if you keep going. And at first, when I, I think when I first had my probably my moment where I was good for a while and then boop, here we go. It hurts again. And I'm, I'm having that little breakdown. I was so angry because I was like, oh, the progress that I've made. Like, how could this how could I break down about this again? And my therapist told me she was like, you're going to have moments like that. And it's totally OK. It's totally fine. Um, and so it's up and down. And so I wish someone told me that because I, I was so hard on myself and felt like I had 
reverted back after making so many steps and that's not the case I think you just have a moment and you pick yourself back up and and try it again another thing that I want to say regarding that is your healing process is your own your healing process is your own um don't let anyone tell you how you should heal don't let anyone tell you the timeline of when you should heal either um that's a major one you It may take you months to get over something and that is okay. It may take you years to heal through something and that is okay. Do not let anyone tell you to get over something. That's something that was told to me multiple times. Just get over it, get over it, get over it. And I would have known that because I probably would have started my process way earlier if I had known like, hey, it's going to take some time and it's okay that it takes some time as long as you are actively working towards your healing, not staying in the feelings, not... Now walking around angry, now walking around mad, now walking around um, hurt, but still being pressing, pressing on to your healing. And I think if I would have known that, child, this process would have started way before it did. But at the same time, I had to learn, go through that in order to find that out uh, strongly about that. What are some things that you wish you knew prior to your healing process to the beginning? It just goes back to what I said about feelings. Like, I wish I knew it's okay to feel. Now, let me say this. I knew that that was okay for other people. I never knew that that was okay for Imani. Mm -hmm. Because I have been, um, I don't want to say groomed, but, I mean, that's just how I've navigated life. Like, okay, this has happened. It could be worse. Keep it pushing. This has happened to Imani. This sucks. But there's nothing else that you can do about it except for um, living the life that you want to live. Um, And so I wish someone just would have told me, like, it's okay for you to feel because feelings don't make you weak. Because for the Mm. longest, I thought, like, no, I don't need to feel. I don't have time to be in my feelings. I don't have time for that. Like, no, I just need to push through. But I'm, I'm acknowledging or I've realized that some of the strongest people are the ones that can take the time to acknowledge how they, how they feel and be mm-hmm. honest about it. So I wish I just would have known like this whole thing about feelings. And even now in this moment, talking about feelings, I'm kind of just like, ugh, like, ugh, just because I know what feelings can do and how that can distort your thinking um, in, in many instances. But I wish previously I've, I took more time to allow myself to feel because I think me not allowing myself to feel is part of why I act the way that I do not part. I know, I know that's why I act the way that I do and why I expect other people just to like push through. Um, so that's what I wish. How did your faith play a role in your healing? Um, so having, um, mommy issues with that comes abandonment with that comes, rejection and it's literally developing a relationship with God and not only seeing him as God but knowing him as Abba father and even his word says that um when you when thy father and thy mother forsake you I shall take you up so just getting into God's word and realizing the type of God that we serve who not only is God but he is our faithful father and knowing that okay he's never gonna leave nor forsake me His love is the greatest love of all. And regardless of everything that has happened to me, he still has great plans for me and he still loves me 
even in spite of the things that I did wrong. So just knowing who God is, take aside everything that he does, just who God is that has kept me throughout this process. That's good. That's good. What about you? Um, for me, I've, I've had to, had to really, um, depend on God through it, through just deliverance from unforgiveness and things like that. And one of the things that God worked on me really so much, um, was that unforgiveness piece and, you know, thinking of, um, just what it means to not forgive someone. And, and, you know, he, he brought to memory, like I've forgiven you. So in that instance, it's like, if, if Jesus can forgive me, I can surely forgive other people. Right. And so I had to work through that. Um, and also just being, um, my firm foundation in, in this whole process of being able to have the psychological perspective of, of, of going to therapy, even though she, even as she's a Christian therapist, but even going to God about certain situations that I've experienced, um, him being able to talk to me directly about those things and to really surrender and allow him to do a, a great work within me and to, to bring forth the things that Courtney needed to work on. And, um, it wasn't easy. I didn't like it. You know, that pruning is not, it's not easy, but doing it was super, super important for me. Um, and I think without God in this process, I don't think it would have been as successful um, or successful at all because he he really he really brought me through. Um, and I just am so grateful and thankful that he never left my side during that process. And he was the person that was just always there in the midst of everything when um no one else could be found. So that's how my faith played a role in it. So are there, are there any like last thoughts? Nope. Nope. All right. Y'all the Bible verse of the week, um, for the episode is Psalm thirty four seventeen. the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and he delivers them from all of their trouble. This is absolutely true. The Lord literally hears all of our cries and, he will in fact heal you deliver you whatever situations that you are struggling with hurting from god hears and he knows all the pain and the hurt that you're going through and so give give him a try tap him into whatever situation that you're holding on to and allow him to enter it um i think someone um showed me this example of with your hands being like grasped together and when you're holding on to something you don't, there's no space for your, for anything to enter when you have your hand, your hands clasped together. But as soon as you pull them apart, that's when God has so much space, um, to, to enter in. And that same thing with your heart. When you, when you allow things to be let go, when you take your hands off of it, when you finally say, God, I surrender to you and he allow you allow him to really have all access to it instead of being, um, the one that's holding on to it. So I definitely am, am praying that all of you are, um, taking heed to this word and will, um, tap into the Lord when it comes to healing your heart. All righty. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Um, God, we thank you for being such a faithful father. We thank you, God, for the promises in your word, the promises that tell us that you will never leave nor forsake us, the promises that tell us that you are close to the brokenhearted and those that are crushed in the spirit, Though the promises that tell us, oh God, that your ears are open to the cry of the righteous. And although the righteous suffers much trouble, you are Lord deliverer 
deliver them from us all. So we thank you, God. And we just surrender all the hurt and the pain that we have. We give it to you, oh God. We no longer take control over our situation, but we hand it over to you for we are not strong enough. And that's okay because even your word says that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So we thank you for that healing power that you have. We thank you for being our deliverer, oh God. And we just want to uplift all of our brothers and sisters who are hurting during this time. Holy Spirit, you comfort them right now. Send your angels, oh God, just to minister to the people, oh God. And as they cry out to you, oh God, just let them feel your love just a little extra, oh God. Wrap them in your arms, oh God. Just let them feel your presence, oh God. And know that, so they know that they are loved, so that they know that they are cared for, and so that they walk in the freedom that is granted to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're going to close this episode out. Of course, y'all know new episodes every week, every Wednesday. If you have any topic suggestions, fill out the form in our link tree, in our bio. Don't forget to join our Slack channel where you can connect with other believers and with us like you have complete access to me and Imani. Um, But let us know what y'all think of this week's episode. And until next week, y'all, be blessed and stay safe. Bye. Bye.